Welcome to Service Headline News. I am your host, Marty Smith, and I'm joined by our historian, Eric Perot. Woo! On scene. And on closet duty is Jake Wall. What's going on, guys? Good to see you guys. And we're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates burned into all servicemen and women, so sit back, get informed, and have a laugh as we present Service Headline News. All right. Here we go. <laughs> I know that was dumb. <laughs> but it might sound good with the new music, so you never know. Oh, okay. The stand-up's kind of an interesting comment. Stand up! <laughs> stand up on your feet! You know, I only did it I did it one time in my entire career when there was a room full of people, and I walked in and did the whole room 10. You know, did yeah. you ever do that trick? Oh yeah. yeah. Room 10? This room 10? <laughs> I did it absolutely effing perfect. So it was the only time in my career I ever did. <laughs> nice. Uh how was you guys week? Uh, real good. Busy, man. Oh, it was great. We yeah. uh went to Space Symposium, got a lot of space things and Are stuff. they still doing that? I thought that was uh like a month ago. It was uh, last week. I actively avoided it for 20 years, and then a new job was like, we need you to go. Did you get your bag full of Northrop pens and Lockheed lanyards? I got some. Uh, I got a couple of mint vanilla chapsticks because they were pretty quality. <laughs> Who was giving some, those out? I don't know, some jet propulsion lab or something like that. So, wow, Jake, were you on? Were you guys on base, or were you at a facility? Oh, uh, it's at the Broadmoor. Oh, of course, it's at the Broadmoor. And and Willie defined it perfectly. It is a spring break for the space industry, and mm, so it is yeah. literally all the bigwigs at in space industry just hanging out, having an excuse to drink late and party and hang out, play on the golf course. Yeah. Yeah, and then go over uh, what's that one to the B and have your drink over there, right? Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, Boeing threw a party that had a live band at it. Oh, damn! Open open bar and everything. Parsons, ours had like four different buffet tables, a cigar bar, three open Jesus. bars. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, dude, it's it's excessive. How do they justify doing the money for that? Got to get your name out there, man. Got to get your name out there. To who? Who's buying? All the people. <laughs> all the bids. I mean, you, you, well, the and they're searching like, for you, contracts too, guys. That's, that's they're exactly looking for the work. Yeah they're, yeah, they're pushing those contracts. They're pushing demos. They're doing yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there's you're walking around, and there's three stars walking around, just chilling, and CEOs <laughs> of companies hanging out, and wow. I mean. A couple uh, years back, we used to host it at SciTor because we had that 200-person oh, conference yeah. room yeah, that could yeah, go. Yeah. That was big. That's right. Um, did you have to attend any of the briefings? I did not, but I always helped with the uh, security of the facility when we'd bring the K9 to walk through the facility and around it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Jake, Worked with OSI. To, did you have to go to any of the briefings? No, I was just a demo person oh, i okay. i uh was just a booth person all i had to do is <laughs> say this is our wonderful product here's some information about it here's a business card i see those guys at the renaissance fair yeah that, that's me too i was practicing <laughs> would you like a gourd of mead Huzzah. It puts great quantity of hair upon my chest. <laughs> and you always wonder about those women because they're always, you know, it, ideally in your head, they're like, oh, they're loose and there's no underwear and it's just these flowing broth. But then you get out there and there's these carnies with unshaven legs and, you know, Ooh. it's like, I know that's your real hair. It looks really unkempt. Nice. Uh, and you've been out here all day. Yeah. You're pretty ripe. 
the aroma. It appeals to my Oregonian hippie roots. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's right, huh? Nice, yeah. Get some patchouli and you'll be right at home. Oh, man, I'm right in there. <laughs> Smudge a little sage around the place and we're calling it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you were born two decades too late, Jake. I have found out a whole lot in the past two minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nothing like a hippie girl with dirty feet. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh. Uh, go up to the girl and just start kicking sand on her toes. Man. All right. Here we go. Uh, she's like, oh wow, what are you saying, Al for it? Like, I just hit my head or hit my leg on a cinder block. Goes, oh, that's my foot. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Excuse the callus, it's all right. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Like the uh, hobbit, hobbit feet dancing, <laughs> dancing in the sun. This is basically nothing but foreplay right now. This is good. <laughs> well, let's let's lower the temperature for Jake. Uh, <laughs> Eric, what you got for a day in military history? Guys, I'm absolutely 100% sure you're going to know exactly oh, what this God. one is. That's a lot of pressure. Yep. It even has a program name. And that was Operation Sandblast. Come on, come on, impress Sandblast. me. This is the interview for Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> the old Sandblast movie. Ah, well, that's it. I mean, that that makes a great movie in itself. But <laughs> but Operation but Operation Sandblast took place between February 24th and April 25th in 1960. It was the code name for the first submerged circumnavigation of the world executed by the United States Navy nuclear-powered radar picket submarine, the USS Trinitron, Trenton, sorry, under the command of Captain Edward Beach. What is the name? T-R-I-T-O-N. Trenton? Triton? Okay. T-R-I-T-O-N. Oh, no, that, that N is silent for sure, at least. <laughs> well, USS, it's, not, it's not Trinitron. That's for that's an old TV. USS Trenton. Stop bad-mouthing the uh, librarian here, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> the USS Trenton. So this little voyage covered... 26,723 nautical miles over a 60-day period in 21 hours. The route began and ended at the St. Peter and Paul Rocks in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean near the equator. During the voyage, Trenton crossed the equator four times while maintaining an average speed of 18 knots, 21 miles per hour. Trenton's overall navigational track during Operation Sandblast, generally followed that of the Spanish expedition that achieved the first circumnavigation of the world, started under the command of Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan, and completed by Spanish explorer Juan Sebastian Icano from 1519 and 1522. Operation Sandblast is one of the Navy's most remarkable accomplishments since the inception of the Navy. How about that? Not impressed, I see. <laughs> no, that is that is impressive, honestly. Well, That's pretty cool. So it went uh it's it went all the way around the world? Yes. Fully submerged all the way around the world? Fully submerged. Yep. And no huh. and no shortcuts. Think about that. It's not going through the Suez, it's not going through the Panama. No, because it's it was following all the way. Yeah, it was following, you know, uh early in history. Yeah, uh, the explorers Magellan and yeah, like this it. El Condo guy. Yeah, it was. I see it. it went around Cape Horn. It ran around. Uh, damn, what's the other Cape? Um, but Hope. yeah, it didn't go through any canals. That's for yep. sure. Cape, I see Cape Hope is. Uh, Cape I think Hope, it's on yeah. Africa. Yeah. Pretty amazing trip, man. I would uh, not it, have been. I wouldn't want to have been in the cigar box going around the world in that thing. How long did it take? 
60 days, 21 hours. God bless. Yeah. Two months under the sea. Yeah. 26,723 nautical miles, man. Crazy. That's pretty cool. I want to know why they called it Operation Sandblast. It just says here it was a code name for the first submerged circumnavigation of the world. Yeah, you wouldn't think that's what that was. So maybe uh, we'll call it Sandblast. Yeah, what what are we doing? Desert stuff? And it's like under the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh my good. When you think about the first submerged complete trip around the world, that's amazing. You know yeah. what I mean? In the submarine. We yeah. talk about an airplane, no big deal. Well, they fly around the world in an airplane, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. No. But you talk about no in the ocean, under the ocean, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, crazy. I had to, I had to be hot, held a hot bunk in uh, for two months. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yikes! You talk about the Roma. Put your Oregonian and live. <laughs> put them to shame. Oh, yeah. I would imagine oh, the yeah. a, the HVAC guy on that submarine is the most valuable player of that entire crew. Because if that ventilation system goes down, you're effed, right? Here's a real just last piece of information for it. It's pretty cool. It was a unique submarine. She also had the distinction of being the only non-Soviet submarine to be powered by two nuclear reactors. Trenton's high speed was derived from her twin reactor nuclear propulsion plant with a design speed surfaced and submerged of 32 miles per hour. Mm. So, so she cooks. That was, We didn't have fast subs back then? That was the fastest sub we had. One of them, I guess yeah. in 1960, I suppose. Yeah, and that was the first first tw- uh, twin reactor nuclear powered. You know what I mean? Yeah, twin I just don't know what that compares to. Plant. You know, uh, good good point. I don't know what propelled them before nuclear reactors. See, you're supposed to have those answers, Eric. I thought you weren't well, supposed we, to ask me those questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, Marty. You know the rules. Surface <laughs> level only. That's right. Come on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. pretty good with them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So. Yeah. And, and for the record, Juan Sebastian finished Magellan's route after Magellan got shot with a poison arrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a little so known Magellan fact. never fully did it. Magellan never actually did it. He just got credit for it. And he got his name on those early uh those early direction finders, right? Yeah. Remember true. buying a Magellan for my wife? Yeah. Stuck it on the window. <laughs> yeah. God, so, we ran through so many of those things. Jesus. Uh okay, on to the news. Our first story is from the Associated Press. So uh, last Sunday, special forces swiftly evacuate the U.S. Embassy staff from Sudan. So Sudan has been basically under, I guess, the civil war uh, over the last 10 days or so, two weeks. Mm. Um, But U.S. Special Operations Forces carried out a precarious evacuation of the U.S. Embassy in Sudan on Sunday sweeping in and out of the capital with helicopters on the ground for less than an hour. No shots were fired and no major casualties were reported. It's kind of, you know, I I don't know how you say precarious in the first sentence and go, well, no shots are fired and no major casualties. (laughs) But it was precarious. It's like the B-36 peacemaker that could have flown a nuclear mission. but Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So it could have been the most precise bomber we ever had. Could have been. But we never yep. found out. So, oh. with, the, <laughs> with the final embassy employee out of Khartoum, the United States shuttered its diplomatic mission indefinitely. Remaining behind in the East African nation are an estimated 16,000 private U.S. citizens. U.S. What? officials said. Sudan? Yes. U.S. officials said it would be too dangerous to carry out a broader evacuation operation. So they're like, sorry, buddies. <laughs> you know, I knew we had a presence. I didn't know we had that big of you know, I remember all the time growing up, and you start hearing news stories, and you're like, oh, there was an uh, earthquake in, I don't know, 
to pick some obscure country, right? Guam mm. or not. I mean, Thailand or something. And I'm like, there's 153 Americans. It's like, there's Americans everywhere. Yeah. Yep. What are you doing there? <laughs> By the way, just a piece of information for you. Khartoum was one of the first locations I flew to as part of the Raven program. Oh, yeah. No, huh. Yep. How, what, did, did you stay there or did you just like refuel no, and get out of there? Landed, had some diplomat get off the plane, do his thing. I stayed at the airplane with another guy. Yeah, they did their thing. It took about four hours, and then we were gone. Did it have a smell? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, when I'm we, just saying, like you land in Korea, you know you're in Korea, right? When you yeah. talk about burn pit yeah. stuff, everything in Africa is burning. <laughs> they don't know how to dispose of garbage, so they oh, light it right. on fire yeah, and burn. Yeah. Oh, everything God. it burns. Everything yeah. burns. Everything burns. Sounds like the joke. <laughs> uh, Three MH-47 Chinooks carrying around 100 Spec Ops forces took off from an American base in Djibouti, flying to Ethiopia to refuel before arriving in Khartoum to reach the embassy. American staff and their families were taken out of Sudan, as were the members of the Marine Security Detachment at the embassy. So about 70 personnel in total. They were airlifted to an undisclosed location in Ethiopia, uh, and Ethiopia also provided overflight and refueling support. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think Ethiopia would have a lot, but I guess they did. On Thursday, last Thursday, the U.S. Embassy in Khartoum posted on Twitter that it remained under a shelter-in-place status and that it was unlikely it would be able to coordinate an evacuation of private American citizens in the country. God, that is the worst, right? It's like, uh, hey, this this is getting bad here. Are we going to be hey able guys, to do it? You're like, on your own. Ah, <laughs> ah. We'll send someone back. <laughs> just, Marty, just, does it say who was sent as part no. of the evacuation? No, no. I, I was Special hoping it would, but yeah, that's probably all classified, I'm sure. Yeah, didn't identify them. Um, it also suspended emergency consular activities due to the safety concerns on Saturday night uh, after the embassy was evacuated. John Bass, Undersecretary for Management Ambassador with the State Department, said that, quote, as a result of that uncertain security picture, as a result of the unavailability of the civilian airport, we don't foresee coordinating a U.S. government evacuation for our fellow citizens in Sudan at this time or in the coming days. Ow. That's it. Any questions? No? Okay. We're going to leave them. Ah, that's so lousy, right? Uh, embassy evacuations conducted, but this is the good part. Embassy evacuations conducted by the U.S. military are relatively rare and usually take place only under extreme conditions. Okay. When the embassy in Kiev temporarily closed just before Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, staffers used commercial transport to leave. In several other recent cases, notably in Afghanistan in 2021, conditions made commercial departure impossible or extremely hazardous. U.S. troops accompanied personnel from the U.S. Embassy in Tripoli, Libya, in an overland convoy convoy to Tunisia when they evacuated in 2014. So they're relatively rare, but that just (laughs) described three embassies in the last nine years that have been shuttered. And oh, by the way, all you got to do is latch on to a wheel as it's taking off. There's plenty of room <laughs> in that window. <laughs> wheel well. <laughs> My God. I, I, you know, how they downplay that. I mean, losing an embassy. Right. That's pretty huge, right? Yeah. Uh, but we've lost at least three, maybe more, in the I'm last nine of, years. I wonder what's, what's a – do you guys – it's a dumb question. How many Marines are usually staffed in a – overseas embassy i don't know i'm just just curious because the marines are the ones that man embassy security yeah remember we talked about those three marines that took down the the teenagers in the chick-fil-a and they were all going (laughs) off to just like bizarro places yep um so is it is it the marine guard is that part of their duty we don't Uh, have yeah it's my understanding that the marines are responsible for all embassy duty huh I don't know. The only uh, the only thing I got to go off of is that uh, 
God, 16 hours or whatever that movie was. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About Libya. Libya. They didn't seem like they had a lot of security there. No, they so, didn't. Um, I don't know. Uh, obviously, not a lot. <laughs> hmm. Obviously, not a lot to put down uh, any kind of, you know, insurrection, obviously. Yeah. So, anyway, they got him out. Uh, no shots were fired. And then it started to make me think, uh, you know, the 80s were a big time when we would go and get our people, right? Wasn't yeah. that what, uh, where were the medical students at? Was that, uh, that wasn't Grenada, was it? Say that one again, because Grenada was in October of 82. Um, they they made, uh, Clint Eastwood did that movie, Heartbreak Ridge. But Correct. They didn't actually send the Marines in. I know they sent the Rangers in. Um, but All services were on the island of Grenada. All services. Was it Grenada where the medical students were being held? Correct. Okay. Um, but I guess that mission, that like the guy calling for air support over the telephone line, I, I, I know the story was that that was actually Rangers that did that, but the Rangers didn't want to do the movie. Right. So and by the way, I said October of 82 was October of 83. Correction. Yeah, that's what threw me off. It was that one year. <laughs> it's October of 83. Don't play it off. You're going to be a historian. <laughs> it's just shit to me. Uh, oh, come on. Oh. He's just getting faster at Google and stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. You have a computer in your hand, right? It's that, yeah. out, it's that outlaw whiskey he's drinking. It's, it's, it's <laughs> helping him along there. <laughs> it's, the hair is coming out of my chest, and I can't see you guys anymore. Already. <laughs> okay, next up from military.com, uh, Tommy Tuberville. I remember when he was running, because uh, I remember him from college football. He was the Auburn head coach. I was like, oh, this guy's going to run for senator uh, in Alabama. Okay, why not? Well, he won. I didn't realize he won. Uh, but anyway, Tommy Tuberville is stalling military promotions, and he argues that there are too many generals and admirals. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Senator Tuberville, from he's a Republican out of Alabama, made the argument on the Senate floor Tuesday afternoon after he objected to an attempt by Senator Elizabeth Warren to quickly confirm the nominees, he has been slow rolling. He said, hmm. quote, experts have known for more than a decade that the military is top heavy. We do not suffer from a lack of generals, Tuberville said. When my dad served in World War II, we had one general for every 6,000 troops. Uh, now we have one. Uh, oh, sorry. He said, think about that. One, for er one general for every 6,000 troops. Now we have one general for every 1,400 enlisted service members. Holy cow. That's a lot more. Yeah. I guess. We need guidance. We need guidance. A lot um, of leadership. A lot of leadership. We can never have enough leadership. All the leading. Since late February, Tuberville has maintained a hold on all nominees for promotion to one-star general and admiral and above over his opposition to the Pentagon's decision to cover travel and leave for service members seeking abortions and other reproductive health care. So he's just, uh, I don't know if he's all that convicted about holding up generals and admirals more yeah, than he, he is. Had me, he had me until he was like, until you do this. Yeah, he's just using it as, a, as a tool against the Democrats. Right. So, but as of now, Tuberville's hold affects 184 military nominees. Wow. <laughs> that's that a would lot piss of, me off. That's that a lot happens. of colonels and captains going, damn it. I was right? almost there. <laughs> You're holding my livelihood in your hands. I don't appreciate it. Well, it is kind of funny because uh, Democrats have tried to pressure him. And here's what Senator Warren said. And keep in mind, these are all uh, 06s. About to be 07s, right? <laughs> so she said, these holds deprive military families of pay increases they have earned because a nominee's new pay may not take effect until the promotion goes through. Yeah, how about all the E5s and E4s that you held up? Yeah. You know, from getting that extra $100 a month. Well, I'm collecting my food stamps. That's right. 
Yeah. And these guys are old sixes. I don't think they're struggling. Nope. Right? Uh, she said, without formally being assigned a change of duty, families can't make decisions about moving or enrolling kids at a new school for the fall. <laughs> See, that is a daily occurrence in the military. Absolutely. That's not, that is not unique to this situation at all. Oh, well, that's her argument. It, it just goes to show you how detached those people are, though. So, out of touch. You know, out of touch. Yeah. This poor He has 06. no clue what's going on. He can't afford CDC. He's just CDC. using the military as a pawn. <laughs> yes. 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 You know? Right. You're just like, come on, man. I mean, he's got to buy formula. It's like, 106. 106. <laughs> has grade school children. Not many. Yeah. Yeah, perv, man. Uh, <laughs> I like how you're pissed at this mythical 06 for being a pervert. Why? Well, he's like they're, they're talking about him like like he's an E5. Most right? of them are Keith Richards, yeah, but, that's, but that's all. The majority of the people in leadership, that's all they look at him. As. Yeah, I know. You know. They're like, oh, they're just military people. They couldn't have acted in a real job. Oh, they're just this. You know. Right. They look down on that. This career a lot of times honestly you know well they well, especially, do especially from the government side i don't think from the civilian community but i think certainly yeah that's from, what I'm, yeah, yeah those government positions i think they go oh, that's a military colonel who cares well it's funny when it's convenient to them they'll make that argument hey they need this pay but then when <laughs> yeah. it's inconvenient to them they're like hey let's take their va money yeah you know it's like oh, his wait, wife fuckers. His wife made a hundred thousand. He doesn't need that much. He doesn't need that. Yeah. Come on. He's good. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's it makes me want to puke with all those mothers up there. Um <laughs> in objecting, uh Tuberville cited several think tank reports dating back as early as twenty eleven about the growth of the proportion of generals and admirals in the military. Today, he said, we have more admirals than we have ships. Oh my goodness. That's scary, right? Okay. Yeah, I bet he got that from a think tank. I, I guess a simple count. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many ships we have, but oh, yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, they get they get so many like under jobs, or you know, so many of the uh, just, I mean, especially space, man, with yep. the re art and not necessarily in the operational side, but you get on the procurement side. Yeah. Oh man, you got, you got officers all over the place. Yep. So, well, we'll see what that is. I mean, it sounds like he's doing a noble cause, but he's just doing it for political points, but uh, it is interesting how many generals and admirals we have. It's like, Oh my God. Keep my base open in Alabama. I'll release your generals. Uh, it could be. Yeah. And that's usually what <laughs> it'll, that's it'll exactly be some it. kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. It'll be some kind of deal that comes down. But, uh, you know, we can't, we're, we're 15,000 short on our recruiting. Uh, <laughs> but good thing is we're 10% over on generals. So, <laughs> you know, that makes up for it. Give them a weapon. I, I mean, they the should post. be supporting that. They're like, hey, 15,000 short. How many generals? Does that equate to in pay? Right. Oh shit! We can promote like fifteen more. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so on to a uh, I guess feel good story from Stripes.com. The USS Nimitz, which I always think World War II. I don't know why it's not World War II, but I always think. Well, I mean, Nimitz was World War II. Yeah. But it seems like the carrier is older than it is. But the USS Nimitz, the oldest active carrier in the Navy, has reached a major milestone. 350,000 arrested plane landings in nearly a half century. Damn. That's Man, huge. Good on them. That is just, impressive. Uh, you know, I wonder, how, I wonder what that equates to, like, per day. Is it yeah, like five yeah. a day or two a day or something? Well, when they're flying sorties, I mean, that's you're looking at well over 50 a day, depending on how many aircraft are involved. Yeah, well, yeah, sure, true. Especially if they're, uh, you know, if we're doing an air war campaign, they're just pumping them yeah. out, right? Yep. Uh, the USS Nimitz hit that mark Saturday in the South China Sea, 
when an F-18 Super Hornet touched down on the deck. Now, here's a, here's another thing that kind of gets under my saddle, if you will. <laughs> Captain Craig Sicola, the Nimitz's commanding officer and lead pilot of the fighter that made the landing, said, I am honored and humbled to land this historic milestone for our ship. I dedicate this landing to the countless Navy, naval aviators who have flown before me. But he took... <laughs> The record flight. He took the record land. Yeah. Why don't you just get? Why don't you give that up to one of your guys? Yeah. yeah. Don't uh, take it yourself. Yeah, don't as, take it yourself. As privileges, huh? I guess so. He's going to uh, be a general soon. Well, we'll see him somewhere. It'll be like <laughs> Captain Craig Sokola, who was the three hundred fifty thousandth arrested plane on the USS Nimitz, is here to comment on. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, God. Uh, the Nimitz is the first of the Navy's Nimitz-class carriers and entered service in 1975, making its first arrested landing that same year. It is now the oldest active aircraft carrier any, anywhere in the world. The ship with the next number of arrested landings is the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower, the Navy's second oldest active carrier. It has been It has seen almost 300 and 27,000 such landings. So hmm. we're running them into the ground, man. <laughs> it's kind of get a new carrier. Kind of like what I'm doing with my wife's Mazda CX-5, man. I was just like, I know that thing needs a new catalytic converter, and it's over 200,000. But <laughs> let's see how much more we can get out of this thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, if it's those nuclear reactors, they're supposed to be able to go forever. Well, sure. But, you know. Uh, All the other infrastructure for that ship is probably breaking <laughs> down. Yeah, from 1975. Yeah, it'll float and cruise for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was kind of a cool story. Um, another cool story here from TaskandPurpose.com. 75th Ranger Regiment team wins best Ranger competition for the third year in a row. Hmm. Um, the 2023 Army Best Ranger competition wrapped up on Sunday, April 16th, with the team from the 75th Ranger Regiment taking home the title for the third year in a row. Captain Luke Ebeling and Specialist Justin Ryan were this year's winners be besting 55 other teams across three days and 32 individual events designed to push the mind and body to its limits. 32 guys, events in two and a half These guys days. are hardcore, man. They're hardcore. <clears throat> you know, I remember I remember going through jump school, and jump school is, if you ask anybody in the Army, it's a it's a relatively easy school. Um, but it, I, I didn't know any better when I was going through it at 20 years old. Um, but you go through it, and you're like, oh, that was a lot of running. You know, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. hey, do you want to be an airborne troop? And I was like, you know, I'll do it for the school, but I don't want to do it for my daily job. <laughs> you know, like, and I've, I've heard yeah. some guys who have made it through ranger school. And if you make it through ranger school, that doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically in a ranger battalion. Yeah. You just get to wear the tag. Correct. correct. Right. Right. Um, but I've heard the same thing from guys who go, I made it through that school. I don't want to do this for my everyday thing. Cause those guys, who can do that? And we've all run into the physical specimens, right? Oh yeah, you know their 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 warm up is three miles, and you're like, Ugh, shit, that's my max. <laughs> you know, but those guys are just built that way. And yeah. I, you know, I wish I had the physics that, uh, you know, I I watch somebody exercising and my knees hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't bend down too many times, man. That's gonna hurt your back too. Well, and when you're yeah. at that status. You have to remain at a, a level of fitness to go at a moment's notice. Right, right. I mean, uh, the Rangers, Marines are no yeah. better example of like, okay, this is a prove it school, but now you're going to do all this school stuff kind of in your regular duties. Every so, day. <laughs> it's not just like, oh, you ramped it up to get up Pike speaking back. Now <laughs> go up Pike speaking back three more times this week. Yeah. Oh, I'll pass. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, uh, you want your tap back? Yeah, you, I'll I'll take that off my uniform today. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I proved my point. Uh, 
The David E. Grange Jr. Best Ranger Competition held at Fort Benning, Georgia, dates back to 1982. Two-man teams of Ranger-qualified personnel from across the Army and on some occasions from the other services compete nonstop over several days in a test. In this case, it was three days. I think like two and a half days. Uh, in a test of military schools, endurance, and mental strength. The events encompass everything from the infamous Ranger School Malvesti obstacle course to fast roping from helicopters to night land navigation. Mm. Um, while I'm doing this here, this is there. Here's, a, here's an interesting little fact about the 75th. Yeah. As of December, and this is old, as of December 2021, it marked 7,000 consecutive days of combat operations the 75th Ranger Regiment was involved in. 7,000? Man! 7,000? According to this random article, 7,000 consecutive days of combat operations. Yeah, we may be deploying those boys too much. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I take my tab off now. <laughs> I need a break. Wow. Those guys are hardcore, though, man. I'm telling you. What I'm Ooh. sharing on the screen is basically the three-day event. So they do all that stuff. I don't know if you can read if that's too small. But they do all no, that I stuff in three days. It's crazy. Run, swim, run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all before 9 o'clock. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of those titles are pretty uh, – they make it sound like, oh, just, you know, you're – you run a yeah. little bit, you jump in, you swim a little bit, you jump back out. You cool off, you run a little further, no problem. No. That site, I'll put yeah. a link to that site in the description, but it, it describes uh, like the opening run, I think, is seven miles with a vest and a 60-pound sandbag. Ugh. And the two guys, the team of two, have to finish together. Like. Mm. Like the swim, I can't remember what's all involved with the swim, but the two guys can't be more than two arms lengths away from each other. Yes, yeah, so it's you know they have a lot of rules on all this stuff. Uh, the oh yeah, there's plenty weapons box and axe throw. That's that's <laughs> you know I do that every day. Axe throw. <laughs> right. I, I pick up my axe and I throw it around every day. That is just amazing. Uh, it says there's an urban assault course, a rope bridge crossing, ruck marches, and swimming. There are weapons ranges in which the competitors employ everything from a pistol to a mortar to anti-tank weapons. Hmm. Some events test the competitors' mental acuity. In Nearshire's competition, one exercise involved identifying vehicles. Another required the comp competitors to memorize the contents of a tough box. I, I guess that's one of those storage boxes in 30 mm. seconds and then answer questions about those items. So you do all that and you're tired. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. A friend of mine who, who made it through ranger school, he said he came back. Uh, and what, and one of the things they purposely do is sleep deprive you. Yep. And he said at one point he saw uh, a fellow guy going through it with him standing at a tree, like, and like his hand was like knocking on the tree. And he's like, what are you doing? And I guess he thought it was like a vending machine. And he was trying to put the quarter <laughs> into the vending machine because he was that tired. He was that out of it. Yeah. yeah. Just out of it and hungry. <laughs> yeah. Out of it and hungry. Oh, my goodness. This machine well, work. T.I. <laughs> Jane, write 500 words or more while you love the Navy. And it's dark and he's playing opera music. Yeah. He's tired. trying to put him to sleep. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, 56 teams from across the country competed in this year's competition from specialists to majors and from units in the National Guard to Army Special Operations Command. So uh, one, the winner, this captain and this specialist, they were talking about this specialist. And I guess it's pretty rare for an E4 to be involved in this competition. But I saw a picture of him, and he was doing one of the, one of the events is, I think, a 12-mile 12 12 road march with a mm. – I think it's 65 pound pack, or maybe it's less. Um, I remember we, that when I was at Schofield, I was artillery, but they did the whole thing because they have the light fighter infantry out there, the fifth, the 25th infantry division, which you guys couldn't answer on our quiz against the army. <laughs> uh, so your chili pepper with a lightning bolt meant yes, nothing. the Arizona State. Thing. <laughs> 
They call it the uh, the electric strawberry. I think it's something. Like oh that. my god! Um, but to be in league with the infantry that we supported, our leaders would go and the, and the infantry did a twelve mile road march with pack for time every quarter. Ooh. So our artillery leaders were like, "Well, we want to show that we're we're simpatico with those guys, so we're going to do the same thing." yeah it was like three hours to do 12 miles and i say that because this specialist who did his 12 mile road march one hour 28 minutes i was like oh my my god are you shitting me (laughs) how does he even do that it's just that those guys are physical studs man that's why you take your hand off to him that's that's badass thank god we have guys that can do that and gals that can do that i guess yeah yeah, and that's why uh, but Marty. That year we did the uh, Baton Memorial March. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first year, there was a team of they were all in uniform. They were doing heavy, but they um, none of them had name tapes on, and there was one that had a name tape and his and his tan beret. Mm. Oh, and, really? And yeah, when we were going. So we were going up that hill, and it's a full marathon, right? Ooh. And there's is it twenty six miles? Yeah. Oh god. So it's a full marathon in uniform with a thirty five or forty pound pack. Yeah. And there's also runners, like so they start the marathon runners first, and then everybody just kind of shambles off, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the teams have to end all cross the line within thirty seconds of the first person. Oh, okay. So you really got to come across together. So you have to come across this team. I checked the stats afterwards. Yeah. They finished the marathon with 40 pound packs and full uniforms in just over four hours. For how many miles? It's a full marathon. Oh my God. Yeah. And so that's a good, that's a great marathon time. Yeah. Right. Right. Dude, I don't even want to drive 26 miles, much less hike. Oh, dude. They're, oh. they're, they're full up uniform running in boots and everything. Oh. Wow. And they're doing it in four four hours. Jesus, that's amazing. Good time was, is anywhere between three and five hours. So there you go. I, you know, there are guys like that. I know that. Uh, when I was out uh, in Hawaii, of course, they would have you know the, the triathlons, the marathons, the ultra marathons. This group or this competition, they had a competition set up. You're running around the outside of the island, and they ran for time. No, my goodness! <laughs> Just for time, they ran for uh, like so many hours—five, six, seven hours of running. Ugh. Like, Killer! What? Man. Like, holy cow. I mean, I, oh. I get it. If you were at that level, you know, I mean, imagine if you were at that level, you're like, yeah, give me something to challenge, right? <laughs> but you're just like, okay, well, how far are we run? No, we're not running far. We're running for five hours. It's like, yeah. But you're nope. running. You're running yeah. for five hours. I'm out. I'm, <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not taking that. Do you need me to, I, I'll, I'll back you up with the car. Somebody's got to drive the car. <laughs> My golf cart. <laughs> yeah. Where, where's my golf cart and megaphone? That's it. Let's go. You guys looking good? <laughs> I give you that that uh cadence uh hard work, hard work. <laughs> yeah, After two hours you're like, shut the hell up. <laughs> I'll give I gotta, you hard work. Gotta give them guys credit, man. You know? Yeah, sure. Whew. Uh, you want to do one more? Sure. Since we don't have a since we don't have a top three. Oh, we can cover the top three after this one though, all right? Um, I'm pretty sure who's going to win that thing, so it's all right. Oh, I, oh, I knew okay. I knew from the from the beginning. Yeah, the B24. Yeah, the Liberator. Uh, that's not that's what right. the vote, That's not what the vote total said. But I'm not sure. Oh, oh, I'm sure. Jake, you're not even in this conversation, buddy. You didn't get a vote. Sorry. Oh no, I got the Mitchell man. That's <laughs> 
Well, one, you guys got to go. Shaped all four fronts. You got to do a little of the military. I mean, the political stuff, and you got to go get your votes. Oh, here we go. But see, I wait, wait. I got a vote, and I didn't have to do anything. I got a good vote, and it's from your family. I know. I think I should win right there. (laughs) Your your daughter voted for me. So I was, I was, I was sitting there like Saturday, and I was like, nobody's commented. So uh, I. Call up my sister, who I know is on Instagram. I was like, hey, would you listen to this and vote for your bomber? And, <laughs> and then, you know what she did? She she goes, okay, I'll be right back. And she goes and listens, and she comes back, and she goes, I vote for Cairo. Cairo? Oh, my god! I was like, gosh. what the she hell did you listen to? She goes, episode? I listened to the dogs. Oh. I was like, no, I wanted the bomber. <laughs> And I told her Sergeant Stubby won anyway. She goes, that's how Cairo won. She goes, that's BS. Cairo should have won. Oh, I love it. She's good. (laughs) I agree. So I had to get her to vote. And then I did the same with my daughter. I was like, hey, you're on Instagram. I put this out there. Go listen to it and vote on it. And I was like, okay, I think I'm set up here, right? Because I I figured, Eric, you would go to your son. Yeah. And have him vote. I asked him to. He didn't do anything. And for those uh, those who are listening who don't know have any idea what we're talking about, we had a competition last week between the B seventeen, the B twenty four, and the B twenty five on which was the best propeller bombers. And if you want to go back, it's on Instagram, it's on Facebook, it's on uh, uh, it's on last week's episode. You can go listen to our arguments for it. So we put it out to the viewers, and I was trying to canvas votes. <laughs> so one i told my wife who every time i go she goes oh i don't know how to comment i was like fine i'll comment for you <laughs> oh here we go but she used to have there's, a t- there's no conflict of interest <laughs> there it's it's like uh it's vote canvassing you know i'm going to the old people and i'm like hey can you vote I- i'll vote for you don't worry um uh, but my wife, who's a home health care nurse, used to have a patient who was a B-17 bomber instructor. Oh, yeah. It was like 10 years ago. His cool. name was Carl. It was great. So she goes, oh, B-17? That's Carl. I'm voting for that. And I go, don't you want to hear it? She goes, nope. Nope. <laughs> That's all good. Carl's okay. got it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so then I go to my daughter and I just go, listen to this and go vote on your favorite bomber. <laughs> and she doesn't know him from, any, from anything, right? So she picked she comes, the right one. She comes back the next day. She goes, that B-24 is pretty badass. That's what I voted for. There you like, go. Damn it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I sent her a picture of all three. She goes, ooh, what's that cool silver one? I said, that's the B-17. She goes, oh, I should have voted for that one. But no, you can't even bring that into play. Now. It's already in the comments. That's so. right. Two for the B-17, none for the B-25, and one for the B-24. All right. Jake, you need to shot this whiskey now. <laughs> I got my water. I'm good stuff. Right. <laughs> Remember how many, how many different things, how many different ideas that service members had to try to make money on the side? Oh, yeah. Constantly. Well, Amway was one of the big ones. Yep. At least it was in the army. Everybody Air Force was two. every oh was it really? Oh yeah. Everybody was trying to fucking do Amway. And every other friend you had was like, hey, you want some laundry detergent? Why don't you just yeah. buy it from me? And I was like, stop, shut up. <laughs> I actually did it. I did it for a month and I didn't sell anything. It just piled up and I was like, fucking get me out of this thing. <laughs> and well, as, like, as soon what, as I said sense? that, then like the people above me in the pyramid. Gave me the big put. Don't get out, you know. Don't get out. You're you're about to make money. I was like, I'm not making any money, and I'm just annoying That's everybody. They were I making money That's right. You. That's exactly right. And I was like, Jesus, enough. Now I really want out. You fuckers <laughs> yeah. are ridiculous. Well, like the ones on base are the essential oils. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> Sensi, the smelly candles and wax and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Pampered Chef. Oh, Pampered, Pampered Chef. Chef. God, they, I, for, yeah. I didn't realize. Is is Pampered Chef like a an MLM? Yeah. Is it structured uh, that same I, way? No, no, no. I think like the home sales ones are. Oh, yeah. 
Because I don't know that you can buy it at a store anywhere, can you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. Oh, you know what the you know what the uh, uh, female thing was for Amway was Mary Kay. Oh, oh yeah, Mary <laughs> Kay is a, is a good one too. Yeah. What's it, hey? By the way, what's an MLM? What is that? Multi-level marketing. It's the rip. Oh, the pyramid bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I got you. Exactly. And I think Amway is still around, but it's called something else. I think. Oh, is it now? Yeah, it's it's under a whole different name. They did a whole like relaunch, or at least it was several years ago. And I was like, "What is that?" And they're like, "Oh, it's the old Amway." And I was like, "Ah, fuckers." <laughs> In twenty twenty April twenty twenty one, Amway was sold for eight point nine billion dollars. Jesus, billion, billion as wow. with a B. Oh shit. Yeah, so evidently they were making money somehow. I I, you know, it, technically, yeah. it the the system would work. I mean, if you really dove into it and you wanted to be oh, that yeah. guy, you could make it work, and you could make well, money off of it. Nate Nate White's wife, they're living on her income from Mary Kay. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, Mary Kay. Like she, yeah, yeah. She gets a free car every year. God damn. Every, every year they they swap out a car um and and then Nate uses it to do like whenever she's doing a thing at like at the house yeah Nate'll go do grubhub <laughs> and and just rock that Mary Kay car because they don't have to pay for miles they don't have to do any of that stuff wow she must be and she must have a lot of people under her she's she's got quite a few god yeah. damn so fellas, I, I'm going the easy way. I'm going to join the Girl Scouts and sell Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> dude, those Girl Scouts, man. I'm telling you, That's I bought right. my girlfriend a money counter because <laughs> I was tired of counting Girl Scout cookie season. Money. <laughs> we were counting See? thousands of dollars. That's really? lucrative, man. On on a weekly basis, thousands of dollars. And it pisses yeah. me off because like they're smaller now and there's less on the box. Yeah, they're getting a little greedy on it. Uh okay. End up. End up. End up. End up. On behalf of all of us here, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Please like, share, subscribe, and let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. Man, <laughs> thanks for the week. I'll see you next week. All right, man. We'll see you Saturday. Hey, yes. Eric. I'm looking forward to Saturday, but always remember, keep those toes dirty and those pits hairy. <laughs> right on. <laughs> oh, it doesn't get any better than that, man. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>